Well, this it's, this has been a roller coaster of a season for the Carolina Hurricanes. Um, there's been a lot of good and a lot of bad. We're going to talk about all of that uh, and probably much more on this week's Kate's Country Podcast. As always, uh, is me, Brett Finger, and Justin. Hello. Justin Leap is here. And we have a special, special guest, uh, managing editor, canescountry.com. Of course, that is Brian LeBlanc. Hello, Brian. Hello, gentlemen. Glad to be back with you. Uh, hopefully I'm not, you know, going to take this podcast over the way that I tend to do sometimes when I'm on here. So I'll do it. an honor if you did that. We, yeah. Oh, I mean, well, that, it's less work for us, honestly. So, yeah, yeah I mean, do what you got to do. We, yeah, well, Don, Cherry's, Don Cherry has a podcast now, so anything's possible. Oh, wow. oh yeah. Oh, jeez. <laughs> nothing but nothing but 90 minutes of, now, kids, you need to listen to this. <laughs> You're not you're not scheduled for that one after this one, are you? No, no, no. <laughs> All right, just making sure. No, don't you worry. <laughs> Although I I am extreme. I have to admit I'm extremely here for listening to Don Cherry do a read for like hymns. <laughs> yeah, like, for hymns. Yeah. Every podcast in the world. Meundies, Casper, yes. <laughs> Roman. Now, kids, let me tell you about a good night's sleep. I have a good night's sleep on my Casper mattress, and if you don't have it. You're a bunch of jerks. You need to get you a Casper mattress right now. Give them the promo code grapes. How did I do? <laughs> you, do a good, you do a good Don Cherry. That was an upset. Thank I didn't you. expect that. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know what the betting line was on that. What are that, you saying, Brett? I was, I, was, I was shocked. I didn't think you could do a good Don Cherry, but you did. That was better than any any Don Cherry impression that Justin or I could have done. So we're already <laughs> off to a very good start. Um all right. Well, <laughs> glad to know that my reputation's preceded me. Let's just go ahead and end it now. Have a great day, guys. <laughs> um, so, a lot of hockey was played over the past week, and this team, man, uh, the Carolina Hurricanes are a team. Um, and Justin, we talked about the the eight two win over Ottawa, and we were kind of like, eh, you know, it was a good win, but it's against Ottawa and you had lost four straight. And now we're a week later, and I think we're still kind of eh, I think. Uh, So they went on the road for the first two games of the road trip. They went to Buffalo and Minnesota. In Buffalo, they had a lead. They blew the lead, and they won in overtime. Minnesota, they had a lead. They blew the lead, and they won in overtime. So that's how those two games went. Um... Brian, uh, now that we're – there's one more game on the road trip, and that will be happening tonight on the day we're recording in Chicago. What do you make of the Hurricanes over the past couple of weeks? Kind of get the sense that they don't really know who they are at this point of the season. Um, the fact that uh, that Eric Hall has been in and out of the lineup, and I know we'll talk about that in a little bit, uh, doesn't help them for sure. Uh, but you know, they've, they've been pretty good without him, but I think they definitely need, uh, that presence in the lineup. And the fact that it's not going to be there for a while, uh, according to Rod Brindamore yesterday is uh, concerning to be perfectly honest, because this is a team that for the most part is still struggling to score goals regularly. I mean, you look back at the, at the Buffalo game and who scores the goals outside of the, uh, overtime winner, you've got Brock begin scoring, 
Yeah. Uh, you've got Joel Edmondson scoring, who, I mean, <laughs> I mean, say what you will about Joel Edmondson's, uh, you know, sudden He's offensive outburst. Right but no kidding. I mean, and, and, and as Paul Maurice would say, and good for him. Uh, but, you know, if those are the kinds of guys that you're relying on to create your offense, you've got some real problems. They still, you know, I hate to I hate to say they need to get Sebastian Ajo going because he is, you know, close to the top of the team in points. Um, and doing generally, especially on defense, he's been really good defensively. It just doesn't seem like it's quite clicked for him yet this year. And I'm not really sure what mm-hmm. the what the secret is. I mean, he's been with uh, Tavo Teravainen all year like he typically is. And it just something isn't there yet. And I know he's a notoriously slow starter. Uh, that's why I give him a little bit more rope than I would uh, a lot of other people in the same situation. But. But, you know, the fact is they're paying him a lot of money to score goals, and he's only doing it occasionally at this point. And that's especially with Hall out of the lineup. That's pretty concerning. Uh, but Svechnikov, you know, to his credit, is more than taken up uh, part of that share and has really, uh, really come through for the Hurricanes when they needed him. And boy, he's I mean, I don't know what else you can say about him that, are, that hasn't already been said. He's just a fantastic player. Uh, if you didn't read the story that Justin wrote uh, that we ran on Monday, about his relationship with Dougie Hamilton, uh, it's worth a look because uh, it was a lot of fun to talk to those guys. And I mean, they're both, you know, kind of in the same in the same mold. And you can just tell that every game Svechnikov's getting more comfortable. And I think a lot of that credit has to go to Dougie Hamilton because of how he's kind of taken Svech and to a lesser extent, maybe Warren Fogel under his wing and kind of shown them the ropes. And you can tell talking to him that Svechnikov appreciates it. And uh, and that seems to have paid dividends. So Svech is going, you know, Dougie obviously is going, but the Hurricanes need more from a lot of guys right now. With Hall out of the lineup, it becomes uh, that much more difficult uh, to try to get it. Absolutely. And um, what's I mean, with with regards to Hall, we can talk about Hall now. Um, lingering knee injury that flared back up. Um, he was out of the lineup for a few games. He came back in a sheltered role because of that injury. And now he's out of the lineup again. And like Brian, you said, it might be a, a longer-term deal with Hala. And you have to assume that also this is a contract year for him. And it doesn't make a lot of sense for him to be playing um, with that knee injury, uh, especially if it's hindering his ability. So there's there's a lot going on there uh, with his future. And... E2 lost to Reinen, or loose to Reinen, I should say, um, was called back To be up. fair, we're still not we're still not sure exactly yeah. how to say his name. Yeah. It said one uh, thing in the release. John Forslund said another thing. Mm-hmm. Ella Campbell and I were talking about this a couple of weeks ago. I think we have kind of all settled on loose to Reinen, but mm-hmm. I I could see that. Remember when he was Sebastian Aho for like 10 minutes a couple there of was, years ago? There was, there was confusion. I remember that. <laughs> there was, yes. Uh, it didn't last, but I kind of get the sense they were at that same place. But I, I think we can all agree it's loose to Renan, at least for the time being, until further notice. Okay, I will write that down, and I will make sure everybody knows loose to Renan. Um, so, yeah, loose to Renan's back up with the team. I thought he played really well uh, in the very sheltered minutes that he was getting on the fourth line while Hollow was out. Um, so what's – Justin, this is this is you too um, – or E2. 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 I knew he was um, going to go there. Um, so, Lusterinen's back. Sorry. Lusterinen's back. And Lucas Walmark is in the equation, too. Outside of Stahl and Ajo, 
where where are we now with the bottom six centers? Does I think I feel like Walmart's going to get the first look, but with how Lusterinen played, I mean, what what's the expectation? I think that's, I think they're going to be able to roll with what they have. Um, I don't think there's necessary for a trade or anything of that nature. Um, I guess we'll see how E2 does in a extended role. I mean, he got scarce minutes, but you know, still looked decent in his first call up. So um, I, I think they can roll with what they have. Let, let's be frank. Outside of those first five games, you know, Hall has kind of not been a part of this lineup. So we've kind of seen what life is like without him. He was always destined to be a complimentary piece and not a vital asset to this team. Uh, if it's a Sveshnikov or an Ajo with a long-term knee injury, then you're looking at how competitive your team can be. But uh, I I think they'll be just fine, frankly, without him. And I think if he's able to return, you know, whether that's in January or February or, I mean, even sooner, that would be great. But, uh, you know, January, February, then it just gives an added boost to your team. And it's kind of like adding a player at the deadline almost. So um, I think they'll be able to compete with what they have, um, especially given kind of how it seems like the lines are getting in terms of time. Um, so I think they're fine. Uh, if there's going to take a look at anybody else in Charlotte to help fill a hole, I think Morgan Geeky is just about the only player worth a, a try at this sh- time um, because Julian Gauthier is disappointed after what seemed like a great camp and a great end to the year last year. So, um, yeah, I, I think they'll be all right without him. But, um, you know, it, it still is concerning that it's the same knee that he missed so much time with. And, you know, you just feel for him. You know, he wants to be out there on the ice with his teammates. So, um, but I, I I think they'll be all right. I think, um, I think a big part of this is getting Nino Niederreiter going. Um, I don't think he's played poorly. I think he's played fine. But for what you're expecting out of Nino Niederreiter, um, does he have two goals in 20 games? That's just not enough. And if Hall is yeah, it's out, not yeah. So if Hall is going to be out, they need to get him going. Uh, on top of Brian, what you said about Sebastian Ajo getting him because it feels like he's been close but not quite there. Um, I it's it's been it's been interesting with him because he's had some games where you know he scores twice or he puts up three points and it's like okay maybe this is the game that really gets him going. And then maybe there's a little bit of a drop off in the next game, and it just hasn't really clicked yet for him. But him and Niederreiter, I think, are both keys moving forward. Yeah, Niederreiter's always been a streaky scorer. I mean, that's just mm-hmm. his nature. Um, that's part of the reason why Minnesota cut bait on him. And you know, he he came in and kind of set the world on fire last season, and you know, this year he's finding it a little bit harder. And I I get the feeling him more than anyone else. On- once he gets that you know that first break of the ice he'll be fine um he may not be a regular scorer but i think he's the kind of guy that once you once you get him going he'll be okay and you know last season it was playing on a line with aho that, that kind of did that and this season it might be something else i know that rod's tried him uh with jordan stall at times and you know sometimes that's that may not be the best way to drive offense but it certainly will give you a lot more confidence playing with Jordan Stahl, you know, as, as solid of a player as he is at both ends of the ice. Um, I, I tend to agree that Niederreiter needs to get going. Um, but again, you look back at, you, you look back at who they gave up for him and, uh, and there's, we're certainly head and shoulders above where we were this time last year. I'll just leave it at that. Um, so I'm okay. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm okay with, 
I don't want to say I'm okay with Nino not really getting going, but I mean, this is just, this is kind of his MO and they knew that going in much the same way as they knew going in with Hala that the, the knee was not going to be completely better and that they were buying damaged goods. And that's why they were able to get them for a relatively cheap price. That was part of the deal. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I tend to look at, I tend to look at Hala specifically as, you know, nice to have. And if they get something out of him, great. Uh, but you can't rely on him necessarily all the time um, until he's proven that he's over the knee problem. And, you know, to hear Rod talk about it, they kind of knew that this was going to be a thing. I mean, he had a serious, serious injury last season. Yeah. And the yeah. fact that he's been able to to overcome that and still be up among the team leaders and goals is a credit to him, really, uh, that he's that good of a player. So, you know, you've got to do right by him. Uh, I, I do think it's interesting what it – what it means for his contract going forward. It I think it might what actually with Furlan last year. A extent. little bit, a little bit. Yeah. But, it's different, uh, yeah. but it is different. And I actually think that unlike Furland, who was asking for the moon and wasn't going to get it from anyone. Um, I think that, that Hala might be pricing himself back into the hurricanes range. I kind of thought they may have gotten him as a one year bridge. And now at this point, you know, if you can get his get his name on a contract for four, four and a half million, you might be in fairly good shape. Uh, that would probably yeah. be a price they'd be willing to pay him. So, you know, in a, in a roundabout way, obviously, you'd like to have him on the roster. But I think it might make it a little bit more likely that he hangs around for the long term instead of being kind of the one year guy that I think they thought they were getting when they brought him in. Mm-hmm. For sure. Um, you know, who's not going to be a one year guy. That Andrei Svechnikov individual, uh, we, we talked about that for a second earlier. Um, man, I, if if you rewind back to last season, his rookie year, um, it wasn't always you know the smoothest of of times for him. Uh, penalty issues, uh, not really getting comfortable right away in the league, which, I mean, he was 18. You, you expected that from the gate. And really, it's pretty amazing how big of a difference one year has made. Uh, he's tied for the team leading points through 20 games. He has 22 points. He scored nine goals. And a majority of his goals uh, have come in the last 10 games or so, and they've come in big times. Obviously, the, the goal in, against Calgary that really lit the league on fire for 20 minutes before they moved on to the next goal of the year. Um, that was a huge goal in a game, and he owned that third period and brought Carolina back on his shoulders practically. And since then, he's really turned himself into a guy that has consistently come through in those really big moments in games. Um, Brian, I, I mean, you've been around him for the past year as well. Um the conf- the growing in confidence, what all goes into Andrei Svechnikov turning into this kind of player at 19 years old? A lot of it has to do, I think, with the fact that he was over here playing junior hockey and kind of got himself acclimatized to North America through that, mm-hmm. you know, that avenue. You know, he's still not completely confident in English. I don't think he ever really will be. But, you know, he's he's at the point now where he is – you know, comfortable expressing himself, I think, in English. And once you get to that point, you know, that that helps because not only does it help with your media responsibilities, which is how we know him best, but it also helps with, you know, communicating with your teammates. And you can see in his relationship with Dougie Hamilton, 
how much he values that friendship and how much he's kind of grown through it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, <laughs> you, you see from just, just the growing in confidence both on and off the ice has been something really cool to see with him. And you see a bunch of guys in that locker room who really care about him and have really looked out for him in kind of a bigger brother type of way. And, you know, in that kind of sense, and I can only imagine what that's done for how well he's or how confident and how comfortable he's felt around the team. And, and let me, yeah. let me also say too, I think it makes a big difference having Jordan Martinuk back. Yeah. Um, I think it was, I, I think it was really underrated how important he is to that locker room. Maybe not necessarily on the ice, although he's a very good penalty killer on the ice, but that room loves Marty more than just about any player, including, I, I would say, including Jordan Stahl, including Justin Williams last year. I mean, mm-hmm. that, that room really, in in many ways, it takes its cue for its culture from Jordan Martinuk. And with him not there, I mean, I, I know that it was, uh, it was a big boost when he came back, even just being around the room, even not on the ice. But when he came back after his surgery, you know, three or so weeks in, a couple of weeks before he came back on the ice, you know, there was a, there was definitely a, an upturn in the, in the mood around the room, I think. And, you know, that, that matters. That stuff really does matter. I know it doesn't get quantified necessarily, and it tends to get overlooked or dismissed because it's not something that, you, can't measure you know, it, yeah. can, you can't measure it exactly. And, you know, you, you, you go back and, you know, remember the cherry impression at the beginning, you can't measure heart, you know, that kind of yeah. thing. And, you know, it's one thing for Don Cherry to be yelling that at your television, but there is some truth to that. And I think Jordan Martinook is exhibit A of how important that is in the culture of the team. I mean, it makes everybody feel more at ease. You know, he's just chirping guys and, you know, he, he holds them accountable, but he does so much more than that. It's the little, you know, the little things. And I think he had a real underrated effect on Svechnikov last year since they spent, I don't know, I don't know if I'd say the majority of the season, but, you know, more than half of the season, um, on each other's line. And, yeah. you know, that that gave Svechnikov a chance to kind of learn the ropes, very similar to what Marty Natchez is doing this year. Um, there are a lot of similarities in how Rod's using Natchez this year as how he used Svechnikov last year. And you see how, how well Svech has responded, and Natchez has had a great season. Yeah. So, obviously, something is, something is working in that calculus. Yeah, and I think maybe the one of the more surprising things about Rod Brindamore, well, I don't know if it's surprising, but... Um, obviously I think we all knew he was going to be a player's coach when he came in, but the, his ability to incorporate young guys and allow them to make mistakes. And he knows full well that they're going to make mistakes, but he also knows that they're going to be better in the long term for those mistakes. Um, Martin Natchez is a great example of that. Sveshnikov last year is a great example of that. So especially with this roster, uh, and what Brendan Moore was coming into, that's a really, I mean, that's a impressive thing for a very, a, still an extremely young head coach to come in and understand all that. And he, he was a former player. He was a player for a long time, so he knows. So those are I huge think things. It's probably also, I think it's also probably fair to say that, you know, to be a coach in the NHL today you kind of have to be a player's coach to a certain extent. It is extent. different now, yeah. Um, I, it's it's very different. I don't think that I don't think that you know a a Mike Keenan or a Pat Quinn or you know one of these old school or Bill uh, you know um, Bill. Well, <laughs> I mean maybe sure. I mean if you want to say that, I mean Babcock's having his issues. 
um, in in Toronto for sure, and he's been around a long time. There's yeah. definitely been a culture change in the league at, at large, not just in terms of the types of players, but in the age of players. So many guys are coming in young. The free agency age is down. You know, guys that are 24 and 25 are the superstars of the league right now. And with the exception of, you know, your, your Patrice Bergeron types that have been around forever, you know, those are, those are the exceptions that prove the rule, you know, Austin Matthews comes to mind. Sidney Crosby, you know, still is. I mean, he's. it's hard to believe that Sidney Crosby's 32. I mean, you still think of him as a young guy. But Connor McDavid's, you know, what, 20, 23, I think. Yeah. I mean, yeah. those are those are the guys that are taking the lead. And if, you're, if you don't have a coach in place that can relate to them in some form or fashion, then you're probably not going to have a successful coach. And, you know, you can say that Rod's successful because he's a player's coach, which is true. But I think that being a player's coach is almost a prerequisite to being a coach in the first place in the mm-hmm. NHL now. And it's a credit to him that he's picked up on that and has been largely successful with it. Yes. So we are at, we're 20 games in exactly uh, as of the recording. Uh, when, when this goes out, it'll be 21. So we are a quarter way. We're at the quarter mark of the season. A lot of ups and downs, but uh, I think it started five and zero. They started, then they lost four or five, then they won three straight, then they lost three straight, and then did they they won three straight again? They've they they've keep going on these streaks is what I'm getting at. Um, so twenty games in, where are the Hurricanes at, Justin? Um, quarter mark. What are they? I think that's the best question there is. I mean, I I still think we don't know yet. Um, I think a lot of tendencies that they didn't have last year are starting to creep in, and it was kind of like a, the old regime almost. Um, they're starting to let go of leads that they are accumulating. Uh, I think they're having trouble in some situations getting the goaltending they need. Um. I I mean, obviously, offensively, they have enough firepower. I think they have enough firepower to compete, but I think with some defensive play and some ways in which the goalies are playing, especially in third periods, is alarming a little bit, I think. Um, you know, I don't think you have to, you know, absolutely sound the alarms and say, help, 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 but I think that there there are some tendencies that they're starting to form um, that are are making them look weaker than I think they are. Um, as for the team's ceiling, I think easily, if everything goes according to plan, they're probably going to finish second in the division. Um, I think it's really tough to, to, the Capitals are just ridiculous this year again. Um, and especially yeah, well, John, nine of 10 now. Yeah. And John Carlson is having one of the best season quarter. If John of Carlson the season wasn't so doing what he's doing now. Everybody'd be like, Oh, Dougie Hamilton. But now everybody's like, yeah, who cares? John Carlson Absolutely. has 80 points. If he even continues at this pace, I mean, he might even <laughs> be an MVP, let alone the Norris. So oh, yeah. um, I, I think, yeah, it's it's kind of hard to decipher. But I think, yeah, they, they need to tighten up a little bit more on the back end and, and get those saves down the stretch. I mean, especially in the Minnesota game, they almost lost a what was looked like an easy routine save. Reimer almost let through the five hole and it's just things like that you can't times yeah he's been adventurous and i'm a fan of rummer like i i liked him back in toronto i you know i liked him for the games he got in florida but um there 
it just seems like sometimes this team has played down to its opponents. And I think with this upcoming stretch is a, is a chance to prove that that's not going to be the case for the rest of the season. Uh, they play a, you know, a few weaker opponents or opponents that I think they can manage, but let's see if they play down to them. So um, I think they're going to be a competitive team and stay competitive, but they, they have to fix some tendencies. Mm-hmm. Right. I tend to think that they haven't quite hit their potential yet. Um, Rod talked a lot at the beginning of the season about how every um, every team has their own special identity. And even if you go into a new season with the same group of guys, you're not always going to have the same identity as you had the previous season. And there was a lot of turnover in the, uh, in the summer. Um, I don't think they've gotten as much from Jake Gardner as they had hoped to. Uh, I don't think necessarily he's been a downgrade from Justin Falk, but I think that defensively, especially, uh, he's left a lot to be desired so far this year, and that's something that has affected uh, the rest of the team. You know, the top two pairings generally are okay. I'm not thrilled with using Edmondson with Pesci, but it seems to work, so I'll just, you know, kind of leave it at that for now. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think that Hayden Fleury is getting shafted. I think of those bottom three guys. He's, oh, he's yeah. been head and shoulders above oh, yeah. uh, Trevor Van Riemsdyk and Gardner, and absolutely should be in the lineup. And in fact, I'm I'm this, the one thing that I've, you know, the first time I've ever really disagreed with Rod on is this uh, that he, I don't think he's giving Hayden Fleury enough of a chance. Um, you know, he's when he's been in the lineup this season, he's absolutely been worth he's been uh, worth his spot. Last year or any yeah. other time he's been in the NHL, it's not even close. And to be fair, I know I know they're trying to work TVR back in from his injury. I mean, he missed training camp, so a lot of this is you know kind of on the job training to a certain extent. Uh, but you know, you kind of you got to go with the guys that are playing the best. That's Rod's whole thing. And Hayden Fleury has been much better than either of the other two. And I'd argue he's been on a par with Joel Edmondson. You know, the offensive explosion notwithstanding. Yeah. Um, I, I, I Hayden Fleury should be in the top four of this team right now. And the fact that he's not is concerning to an extent because it shows that, you know, maybe they made a mistake by picking up Patrick Marlowe's cap hit for a first round pick because it hasn't left them with a lot of flexibility. I think, in a, you know, if they have that six million dollars off the cap, would they have put TVR on waivers? Maybe. Would they have sent him to Charlotte? Maybe. Uh, but they don't have the flexibility to do that. And, you know, we're seeing with the gymnastics that they're playing, the likes of Lusterinen and Brian Gibbons and so forth, that yeah. they're trying to conserve as much cap space as they can. And, you know, you can make that work, but it makes it that much more difficult to try to get a consistent lineup and get that familiarity and that comfort level that Rod always talks about. So this is the first time in uh, Rod's tenure as the coach, the team that I've gotten the sense not necessarily that everybody's not on the same page, but there might be competing um, priorities more so now than there ever have been. And that's the one thing that I kind of take out of the first part of the season is that everybody's still kind of feeling everyone out from Rod to Don Waddell to, you know, the new goaltending coach, I think, makes a difference. Um not that he's been bad, but again, it's another new voice in the room. Yeah. Peter Morazic, for the most part, has been fine, but I thought Anton Forsberg outplayed James Reimer in, in the preseason, and oh, he ended uh, up in yeah, Charlotte, sure. and and Reimer's here. So again, where are the priorities? Uh, that's that's what I think the Hurricanes need to solve more than anything is figuring out where their priorities are and then following through with it because it kind of seems like it's more scattershot now, and unless they can get those things resolved, I think we're still going to be – you know, spinning our wheels to an extent. 
Mm-hmm. And I agree with all that, by the way. Um, it's kind of, you know, the goalie thing in preseason, it was, it was kind of like what the whole Anton Forsberg thing really from the get go was kind of, um, you, you're kind of wondering what they're doing and, you know, obviously they have a plan in mind or they should, or they do or whatever, but we'll see where it goes with that. Obviously you have Reimer under contract, uh, beyond this year at a cap hit that's higher than Mrazic's. So that's, that's a, obviously you had to do, they got do that to get rid of Scott Darling's deal. But, um, I agree with you about Hayden Flurry. I think Hayden Flurry has been, you know, and I think it's especially a statement to how good he's been. Um, the role he's been in has been really unfair. I've, I've, th- I've thought, um, He's played really well considering the low minutes. He's had games where he's gotten two or three minutes, and that's just absurd. That was during the 11-7 uh, experiments that did not go very well. Uh, he's played really well. Uh, he's played the best hockey of his career, in my opinion, and he deserves to be in the lineup. And it kind of brings to question, what do you do with the with the rest of that equation? Um, so, yeah, it's going to be... The next few weeks are going to be big, obviously. Um, but even with all the question marks, they're third in the Metro, which is, um, you know, after all the emotions I'm, of going up I'm and I'm honestly surprised about yeah, that. Yeah, I saw it yesterday. I was like, really? They're in third in the Metro. It's it's honestly kind of crazy to, to see. It's been so up and down. You're like, <laughs> I don't know where they are. Um, it's, it's a lot of stuff going on, but they're, they're in the Metro and that's, I guess that's the silver lining of all of this is you don't really, we, we're not really sure where they're at as a team, but they're in the playoffs right now, which is good. Um, but there's still a whole lot to do. And a lot of that could start this upcoming week. They have four games. They start again tonight when we are recording, uh, yesterday, when this podcast was released, they're going to be in Chicago to take on Calvin DeHaan and the Blackhawks. Um, <laughs> then they're going to be home for two games against Philly and Florida over the weekend. And then they're going to go back out on the road. Um, four games. Justin, uh, we, we, we talked last week about uh, the road trip. We said, got to get at least four points. They got four points secured. They could add on to that against Chicago um what's the what's the consensus on these four games um i think my prediction for these is two one and one um i think that they're gonna play down to chicago even though it is a team they can beat that chicago has a bunch of young talent on their roster but i you know they're still not a they're still not the powerhouse they once were but you know they're building it back up um i think the most crucial game of that of this week is definitely against philly you gotta win that game again you slipped up against other metro opponents a week ago when it came down to new york and uh yeah and the devils etc but um yeah you gotta beat philly um and florida is not a pushover this year they're i i think they're starting to get some of the things they were lacking especially goaltending absolutely um and uh I mean, they still have great offensive weapons on there. Barkov is, if not the most underrated player in the league, he he has to be. He has to be. He just has to be. Um, and the Wings, again, are a, a fast team. They're a young team. Um, but you can't let those kinds of games slip, so you got to take advantage of them. So, well, they score um, eight again against Detroit. 
or yeah. how many did they score against Detroit? Seven or eight? They scored seven. Seven, right? seven I think. Yeah, yeah seven. seven. So, um, I don't know about seven, but uh, <laughs> I, a win should be in their cards there. They have to get that win. So, I, I'll, I'll say 2 1 and 1. I think they lose in regulation of Florida, they lose in overtime to Chicago, and then beat Philly and Detroit. Wow, that's very exact of you. Um, Thank you. I think they got to get at least two wins in these next four. Um, if you're talking about points, then f- I think five should be the benchmark of the next eight possible points. Brian? I'd say at least five, probably six. Um, Florida, I think, is Florida. I think is beatable. Um, Bobrovsky hasn't been great this year, and the Hurricanes have shown that they can – take advantage of weak goaltending. I mean, the one yeah. type of game they can win right now is a game is that a marathon they game. outscore. Right. Yeah. They just outscore the opposition and win the game, you know, seven to four or something like that. Yeah. You know, do I expect them to do that? No, but could I see them doing it? Yeah. I can, it's a lot more likely that they do that than they win a game two to one right now. Yeah. Uh, so I think that plays to their, I think that plays to their advantage. Uh, Philly's always tough. I think that, um, you know, they having just played them, probably helps a little bit uh but then also might hurt because it's really hard to beat the same team twice in the matter of two or three weeks um but i think that's that's a winnable game they will drop one of these i'm fairly sure um that's how this it wouldn't surprise going, me yeah. If, yeah it would it wouldn't surprise me if it's if it's tonight i mean i know this will be out tomorrow and or on wednesday and so i'm talking about something that will have already finished but <laughs> wouldn't shock me if if tonight's the game that they drop um, you know, the Blackhawks have been really good and, um, you know, they, again, a team they just faced a couple of weeks ago, shut them out. Uh, you know, they've been watching film on that, you know, trying to the Blackhawks have trying to, you know, figure out how to get out, get one over on Peter Mrazek. Uh, and this just kind of feels like the kind of game that they would drop. Um, so I don't think they're going to sweep it by any, by any stretch. I mean, Hey, if they, you know, if they if they keep this going and they're on a seven game win streak by this time next week, more power to we'll have you on again next week. Going to happen. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Um, they should beat Detroit. I mean, they should beat Detroit. I was just, I was just like, <laughs> you don't need to put more um, analysis into it. No, yeah, you really, that's exactly you really right. don't. Um, you know, yeah, I think six points is a re- is a reasonable expectation. Um, any less than that's going to be disappointing. But if they get six points, then they're looking at, uh, you know, they, they're coming into the final week of November on a run where they have, I believe they will have gotten 15 or 16 points in November up to that point. Maybe not quite that many mm-hmm. uh, with a couple games to go. I think that's OK. I mean, it, could yeah. it be better? Sure. Um, but, you know, it's. It, that's about a hundred point pace. It's not terrible. It's not, you know, fantastic, but yeah. you're not always going to play at a hundred point pace. And you know, the, <laughs> what the caps and Islanders are doing right now, not with standing. Um, <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's okay. I don't think there's any reason to, to completely freak out right now. There are things that need to be fixed. Uh, but fortunately they've got the cushion of having a fairly good start and not playing from behind the eight ball the way they were last year and the way they are seemingly yeah. every year. Um, that helps. And, you know, you can try to fix some of this stuff without necessarily being under pressure to get results right now or else. Uh, so that helps. Uh, I think they're, I think they will be in a decent spot, you know, maybe not quite where we want them to be, but you know, it's, it's acceptable at the very least. It's acceptable. Yeah. Um, so I think that does it for, 
hockey on the podcast. And I and I'll take the lead on this next topic. Okay. Right, if oh, you, you, you allow oh, me. Absolutely. Um, Go ahead. So. Uh, prevailing Brian, we'll bring you back in in a minute here, but I just have to address something personally with Brett. Um, All right. This All is right. very personal against Brett. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, for weeks on the podcast, I've been telling him to watch this show called Barry on HBO. Um, great kind of dark comedy. Um, uh, Bill Hader, the lead, kind of directs some episodes. Pretty, pretty good stuff. Um, I'll give I mean, my opinion on I've this. been hyping it up for a while and been telling him to do it. Um, he failed to do it, and then he decided to make a Twitter poll. I did to I ask Twitter his poll. followers if <laughs> he should watch it. After I told him, I wanted for to be weeks sure to watch it. And oh, so, so what I'm I trying wanted to, say, to be sure. Fred, do you not I trust me? To be sure. Do and you not your, trust me? No, I do trust you, Justin. I trust you uh, very much. So, um, but I just kind of threw a poll out there, and I wanted to see what the reaction was because on last week's podcast exactly we were I talking. Said no, no, wait. Justin, I trust you. Now trust me to give you the facts here. Oh, Last week sorry. we were talking about, you know, Barry and Watchmen and um, other shows. Success. We were talking about a bunch of different shows. And um, I was going to watch Barry. I just wanted to see if everybody agreed with you. And guess what? Barry won. So um, congratulations. Thank you. This, this, so... is, this should be a victory lap for you. Did you actually watch it? And I, how far did you get? I watched the full first season. You can fly through that thing. Full first season? I mean, they are half an hour episodes. Yeah, they're, they're half hour episodes. There's eight uh, of them. Um, in the past week I watched, I managed to get through the first season. It's so good. It's really no, good. No spoilers, but yes. What are your thoughts, and especially on how they ended the first season? That was really cool. No spoilers. Yeah. Uh, yeah the, the, I, I know you're talking about... Um, let's just say the trip to the lake yes yes um yeah because at one point you're like wait what is this you're like is this is this some <laughs> it's hard not to with the spoilers yeah, yeah like, it is hard <laughs> I'll, I'll i'll give in a little bit it's like is this like a daydream or is this a real thing and then you're like oh this isn't a daydream this is real and um outside of it just being a very funny show it's very like it gets you, man. Like it's hard hitting in areas that you probably don't expect going in, and uh, it's it's like very visceral and like very. It can be tough to watch sometimes, and in a good way, you know. So yes. Um, Last question before I turn to our next topic. Before to we our stop talking about a client. TV show while we have a guest on the podcast. Yes. yes. Um. Last last question before I turn <laughs> to our next topic with Brian. Um. Is Noho Hank your favorite character oh, I on love television? Him. I love him. Yeah. He's so it's great. I love him phenomenal. so much. Phenomenal. He's great. Um, all right. So moving on to our second topic that is quote-unquote off-topic. We should just name the segment maybe like off-topic or something because we'll, that's we'll, all it we'll is. Workshops. Um, we'll, we'll workshop some ideas and we'll, we'll figure So I'm going to turn to resident parent and um, big media consumer Brian LeBlanc. Uh <laughs> A big you, kind you of... overrate my amount of media consumption, <laughs> sir. I assume so. Um, a, a big <laughs> platform was launched, of course. Disney Plus been the talk of the town. Um, your thoughts on the platform, and I mean, as a parent, is this like a dream come true for you? Oh God, yes. Are you kidding? I just set, set my daughter down in front of the uh, iPad or the TV and <laughs> fire up, uh, fire up like the 
the series of like Rapunzel cartoons that they have on there now. And I mean, she's, she's in seventh heaven, man. She's, she's binging that stuff the way that you guys are binging Barry. Um, it's, it's hilarious. Uh, you know, is it worth the money? Yeah, probably. I'm not as much of a, a Star Wars fanboy as there are in hockey culture. Um, my, my wife's family are a bunch of Star Wars fan people and are great are greatly looking forward to episode nine. Uh, coming out in a few months or a few, oh, yeah. what, about a month or so. Um, but I've heard good things about the Mandalorian. I haven't seen any oh, of great. it because it's very you know, fun. Okay. I'll take, take your word for it. Um, yeah. Hey, you know, I'm, I'm not going to complain. I actually got my wife to sit down and watch a Simpsons episode for the first time ever. Wow. You heard that correctly. Um, I mean, nice. and it was by far the best one, 22 short films about Springfield. And I will accept no other arguments <laughs> to the contrary. Um, because you know you might as well start at the top. Uh, although she's she's a big fan of the uh, of the Simpsons episode where they go to Itchy and Scratchy Land, and Bart is looking for the uh, for the license plates and he can't find his own and he finds Bort and then there are like three <laughs> Borts in the room. <laughs> Cracks me up. Um, yeah, I mean it's it's everything everybody said it was going to be. It's like every Disney movie ever made every. Marvel movie, every Pixar movie, and a whole bunch of new stuff. We watched a we watched a documentary on there because you know I'm old and that's what old people do is watch documentaries. <laughs> documentary. um, but it was it was really cool. I mean, it was like a, a documentary of when they built Disneyland and had all sorts of old footage and you know showing pictures of Anaheim where people were just driving down country roads with orange groves on either side. I mean, it's it's you know amazing to think that there's so much stuff there now that wasn't anywhere, you know, even in the thought of anyone's mind back in the day. Um, I'm really excited about um, what is, what is forthcoming on there. Um, I hear, um, I hear the Don Cherry podcast is going to be making its way there in the next few months. Oh, they have a deal. Uh, video is king. <laughs> go no, go no on that one. Oh man! Now, kids, don't you be. I know you talked about Wayne Gretzky being a Mickey Mouse operation with the New Jersey Devils. This is the real Mickey Mouse. Don't take any uh, any any uh, any imposters, okay? This is the real one. It's worth your twelve dollars a month. You kids, you go sign. You people, you go sign up for this right now. You people. All right, that's it. That's the... <laughs> that. That is exactly the best way to end this podcast. It started with the Don Cherry impression and Cherry. ending with the Don Cherry impression. Uh, that whole. Thing. Just gotta close the circle, boys. Oh, oh man! Boy. All right. Oof. Well, Let's thank close you. The circle. You can follow Kane's Country at Kane's Country on Twitter at Kane's Country P I X on Instagram. I we gotta bump up. We don't really post pictures on there, do we, Brian? We we should. We don't. We, we should post more. We should post. We'll, more. we'll work on that. We'll work. All right. <laughs> and don't forget to like us on Facebook as well. Uh, you can follow me at Lakey Leap on Twitter. You can follow Brett at Brett underscore Finger. And you can follow Brian at at BD LeBlanc. Don't forget to rate this podcast. I mean, it should be five stars. Let's be honest. I mean, it's fantastic. It's yeah, fantastic. It's always great. It's You're a bunch great. of jerks if you don't rate the Canes Country <laughs> oh podcast five stars. Oh man! Thumbs uh, up. And I have to say, I have to say thumbs up instead of just doing the thumbs up because thumbs you know up. audio. And stuff. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Thank you all for listening, and goodbye.